Amen. Turn to John chapter 20 with me. And you know, um, the thing is, is the heart of pastor is soul winning, right? I mean, that is the heart of this church. That's the very fabric, the very core, the very DNA of only believe ministries is that of taking the gospel to the world and he's doing it and this church is doing it and the church has done it. But I believe our greatest days are, are still ahead. Amen. I, I believe God didn't call me from the heat of Florida to the cold of Ohio <laughs> to, to not witness God move in extraordinary ways and to send revival in this church, a soul-winning revival, amen, a great awakening, um, just something that just, you know, burns, uh, burns the, the, the very ground we stand on, amen, and that the wind would catch it and blow it from, you know, city to city and area to area, Amen. I'm just believing for that, and call me crazy, but I believe it's going to happen. Before Jesus comes, it's going to happen. Amen? And one thing, in doing some research uh, in Ohio, the revivals and the healing revivalists um, that have come through Ohio, um, in Florida, we have very few have ever come to Florida, but just in my research of what I've seen, everyone has been here and have preached and from the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening with Charles Finney, you know, to Amy Simple McPherson, to Billy Sunday, they've all been here. William Branham, um, everybody who's, who's ministered in the power and the gifts of healing have come to Ohio and have burnt their mark into the land, amen? And I'm believing we're gonna do the same thing, amen? So let's pray real fast. Thank you, Lord, for your word. As we approach your word tonight, as we approach the topic of living as sent ones, living sent, living with this mission mentality that we are soul winners, Father, I pray that you burn it into our heart, Lord, that we are so captivated by the purpose and the intention of your heart to win souls that we can't sleep at night if we've not shared the gospel with somebody. Father, that's not wishful thinking. That's your thinking. That's your heart. That's your purpose. I pray that it becomes our purpose in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So John chapter 20, this is Jesus resurrected. He comes into, uh, he appears to Mary Magdalene. And pick up in verse 19, and we're going to read through 23 at first. Verse 19 and 23 um, it says this, it says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, take note of those words, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, he stood in the midst, and he said to them, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. So powerful. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Even so I send you. Hallelujah. And then Jesus said this. He said, he said, peace be unto you as the Father sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So what are the disciples doing? <laughs> Shut up, assemble together in fear. 
Why were they assembled together in fear? They, well, they've seen Jesus crucified. We know this, and, and Jesus is now resurrected. But, but, the, but the point is that God had, they had been with Jesus for three and a half years. Jesus said he was going to be crucified and, and, and be raised up on the third day. He preached the gospel to them multiple times. He modeled it for them. He sent them out with his authority. They preached the kingdom everywhere, seen signs and wonders and healing and deliverance. And they, they came back with Jesus with good reports of every conquest that they had sent them on and yet here they are after the crucifixion of Jesus even with the promised gospel taking place they are behind shut doors living in fear and I believe that the church by and large lives in this place instead of living in the power of resurrection we live in fear we live in fear of those on the outside. We live in fear of those of what they can do to us. We live in fear of what, 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 what can happen to them. If they crucify Jesus, they can crucify me. If they killed my Lord, they can kill me, right? And we live in fear instead of live in faith. And they're behind shut doors. And the church can no longer live behind shut doors. The church cannot thrive in faith behind shut doors. We can no longer live in fear away from the world. Jesus shows up in their midst, and I pray to God that he shows up in ours. Jesus came, he says, in the midst of them, he showed up. And he says, peace be unto you. And I love that word even in the, in the Greek context, but peace be unto you with the Hebrew connotation of shalom, right? Un, un, you know, no disturbance, no anxiety, no fear, no troubling. Peace be yours. Peace be unto you. This is what the resurrected Jesus offers the church. This is what Jesus gives when he's in the midst of our presence is peace so we don't have to live in fear of those on the outside. Amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear, church. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Right? And here it says they were, they were behind shut doors in fear. The disciples of Jesus. They seen him turn water to wine. They, Peter walked on water. <laughs> the only man that we know of that's ever walked on water. Peter walked on water. He, they have lived in the miraculous. They have lived in the power. And I don't know about you, but we've all seen Jesus do great and mighty things. And yet we still lived shut in away from the world. And still in our self-contained Christian bubbles, we lived isolated and protected. We live away from them so that we don't have to be in their midst, right? And we do this. We we have our own songs, our own music, our own books, our own t-shirts, our own bumper stickers on our cars, and we have our own Christian little world because we're in fear of them out there. We don't want them to reject us. We don't want them to hurt us, kill us, persecute us. We don't want to live there. But the power of Jesus, when he comes in the midst of a people, is ascending missionary enterprise. Jesus came, resurrected in their midst. And you know what? He was not content with them to stay in shut doors. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. And I'm giving my peace to you. Some of us, we live troubled lives and we don't have the peace of God because the resurrected Jesus, who should be in our midst, is wanting to send us now, now, juxtapose, just for a moment, these same disciples, minus Thomas, who, who's coming up, these same disciples living in fear 
have done the miraculous, lived with Jesus in power um, for up to three and a half years, and here they are now in behind closed doors. Jesus has raised and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus has already snatched the keys from death, hell, and the grave. He's victorious. And, and they're living in fear. Juxtapose that to the, the, to the disciples in, Acts, in the book of Acts. And you know what the difference is? Besides the giving of the Holy Spirit, the difference is they went because they were sent. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Imagine if they didn't go. Imagine if they didn't. Imagine if they stayed behind closed doors and just, you know, institutionalized themselves, set up a 501c3 and started getting business cards, and, right, and started getting t-shirts made. Hey, we've been with Jesus, right? Imagine if they Christianized their little organization instead of went out and evangelized the world. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, you know, I quote him all the time, but he's one of my favorite prince of preachers from the 1800s. He said, every Christian is a missionary or he's an imposter. And I know that sounds harsh and heavy, but I really believe what he was saying, he was getting to the heart of the matter. That every Christian every Christian is a missionary because God is ascending God. And because God's ascending God, we're a sent people. We're a sent people. And Jesus, he said, as the Father has sent me. So in the same way Jesus was sent, we're sent. That's what's, that's what's encouraging for every single one of us. We're not sent different than Jesus. We don't have a different sending. We don't have a different God. We don't have a different Holy Spirit. We have the same Father and the same Holy Spirit that Jesus has. Hallelujah. And the same mission that Jesus has. Jesus said, I, John writing about Jesus said, he came to destroy what? The works of the devil. All right? He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing everybody who was sick with disease. That's the heart of the Father, is to save and heal and deliver and to resurrect and to transform. And that same mission is what we have. And that is the mission of OBM. That is what we're called to do. That is our DNA. We cannot stay in fear from those outside, isolated and shut behind closed doors when there is a world perishing and people going to hell all around us. There's two types of people that live in the world and we see them with their eyes every day. Those that are being saved and those that are perishing. Amen. Those that are perishing right before our eyes. We all see them, right? And, and you know what I love about this text is Jesus didn't bust the door down, resurrected, right? He didn't bust the door down and start yelling at every one of them. Right? Get up and get out of here. What are you doing? Right? He didn't do that. He came peace because he knew they had fear. He came and he brought his peace. He brings his peace so that he can send us in power. Amen? He brings his peace so he can send us in power. And that's what he was doing with them. He was about to send them with power. Because it says in this next verse, and I love this because it says, it says, and when he had said these things in verse 22, he breathed on them. Jesus, breathe on your church. God, breathe on your church. I just pray that God would breathe on his church again. 
the Holy Spirit. And we know there's all kinds of um, different interpretations on this text. Was it a precursor? Was it just him symbolically showing that what was going to happen in Acts chapter 2? You know, know, there's all kinds of varying theology and uh, ideas, but we know this. He was breathing and the Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind in Acts chapter 2. But nevertheless, Jesus breathed on them. They felt his breath. They heard him say with their own ears, receive the Holy Spirit. There was an impartation of the essence of Jesus. There was a real tangible receiving of what Christ had to give to them. And if we do not receive Jesus breathing on his with his breath and with his life, we cannot go in his power. We've got to receive the breath of Jesus. And he's got to come in our midst. And he wants to. He wants to come in the midst of this assembly. He wants to come into OBM. I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus is showing up. And Jesus is in our church and he wants to breathe on his people and he wants to send us as the Father sent him. He wants to breathe on us for us to receive the Holy Spirit. How many in here want to receive the breath of Christ? You want to receive that infilling of the Holy Spirit? I know I do. I want more of Jesus now than I've ever had. And here's the real key in this text, that when Jesus appeared to them, he showed them to them and they touched his hand and they touched his side. Not just doubting Thomas, the, the, the disciples themselves touched Jesus and felt him, they handled him. And some of us, we need to be reacquainted with the Savior that saved us. Some of us need to be reacquainted with the wounds of Christ our Lord. We need to put our hand back in the nail scar hands of Jesus. We need to put our hands into the side that pierced Jesus. We need to feel him again, touch him again, know that our Lord that saved, that died on a cross is in our midst. The same Jesus that they brutalized and hung on a horrible cross he is alive and resurrected and you and I no matter where we're at or what we're doing can reach back in and feel those wounds touch those wounds and know that Jesus is alive hallelujah he is not dead he's not in a tomb he is alive he carries those marks and will so forever and he does so as a reminder of what he has done how he bought us and purchased us and has placed us as an inheritance in the saints hallelujah and some of us we need Jesus in our midst and we need him to once again show us the wounds that saved us because we will not go with power and compassion and promise if we do not know whom we're going for we're not going out of duty we go because we love Love Jesus. We're not going just out of obligation. We're going out of delight. We're going because we want to see Jesus, the high and lifted up mighty Savior of the world, to be our Savior, our King, our Lord, our Deliverer. And because He's all those things, we get to go. Amen. So when we are reacquainted with those wounds that pierced our Savior, that, that this, the healing that we've received in our bodies by the stripes on His back, touch them tonight. Feel them again tonight. See them with your eyes tonight. Reach out and feel Jesus tonight in our midst, the one who is sending us in power. Because if we are not acquainted with His sufferings, we will not, we will not have the compassion needed to touch those that are suffering. They had to know the Jesus who was crucified and died for them. They had to feel it with their own hands. They had had to feel it with their own hands. Let's read down, because we know the story of doubting Thomas, but let's read it in this context. In verse 24, it says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, that was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. Church, have you seen the Lord? Have you seen Jesus? Because you won't go for Jesus if you haven't seen Jesus. 
right? You won't go if you haven't seen him. And we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into, uh, the, into the, the print, uh, uh, into, I can't see you, I need glasses, I'm getting old. <laughs> so as he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print, uh, into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, notice, here they are, after Jesus done said, he sent them, right? And here they are inside the doors and Thomas with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and he said, again, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Do not be, was it, was it in King James? Do not be faithless, but believing. And there's a lot of unbelieving believers in the church today. We've been saved in theory and not in practice. We've been saved mentally, intellectually, but not physically and emotionally. And this is why I think this is so important for even Thomas to be included in. You know, when Jesus goes on to tell him, he says, Thomas, in verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Isn't that powerful? That's so powerful. But each and every one of us, I believe, can, like Thomas, like the disciples, be reacquainted with the crucifixion of our Lord. That is the gospel. It was the gospel tangible and present. It was the gospel in bodily form. It was the Godhead, right? The fullness of his deity standing before them. They touched him physically. But you and I have the opportunity tonight with the word made flesh, with the Holy Spirit in us. You and I tonight have the opportunity to reach in by faith and say, Lord, acquaint me with those sufferings. Let me see your wounds. Let me, let me be so taken by the wounds that you received on the cross that I must go out of the four walls of the church and no longer live in fear but go out in faith because as you father sent the son send me hallelujah Jesus wants to send each and every one of us in this church and he wants to do so out of a compassionate heart that has touched the wounds of Jesus we don't need angry preachers in the streets that don't they don't win souls by the way we don't need Westboro Baptist preachers out there hating people. We need people who have been touched by the gospel. And that's the whole point of what I'm saying is they are so gripped by the gospel made present, the word made flesh. And some of us believers, for us, especially in, in, in the faith arena, the gospel is only something we use to get in the front door. And that message seems elementary and we want deeper revelations and heavy revy and we, we want to grow in, in all kinds of complex thoughts and theories and theologies, but the simplicity of the gospel must remain this, the main point. 
It must remain the message. It must remain the fundamental. It must remain the evangelion, the good news of Jesus Christ. We are evangelical because we believe in the good news, not because we belong to a political party. We are fundamentalists because we believe in the fundamentals of the doctrine of Scripture, not because we belong to some sect or denomination. We have seen and handled and touched the Word of God. And because of those things, we are captured by the gaze of Christ and we are so enthralled by the gospel that we have to go and we have to share the word of God with the world that's what I'm believing for church I'm believing for a fired up people that are so willing and ready to be sent to be sent imagine if Jesus being sent and didn't go right imagine if Jesus didn't go imagine if the apostles didn't go the world isn't being one today because we're not going. It's just, I'm not going enough. We're not, and I'm not here to, to beat and bash on any of us, right? This is, has nothing to do with hurting us, right? It, it has everything to do with helping us, awakening us, that the church needs an awakening, and that awakening is not, is not some higher exploits or greater exploits of, you know, all these Christian things, but no, awakening of the gospel. When was the last time you were captivated just by the good news that Jesus died for you? When was the last time it made your heart move and tears stream from your face that Jesus ransomed you and rescued you? Hallelujah. I love, you know, John Wesley used to get in the streets and he used to preach to crowds of 20, 30, 40,000 people and he would always conclude with, will you be saved from the wrath to come and be forgiven of all of your sins? Will you repent and come to Jesus? And sometimes we need to hear that same message, right? As Christians, we get so comfortable, so comfortable that the gospel's for them, but it's not for me. And for these apostles, they had to feel and touch the gospel made flesh. They had to see it so that they can take it and go with it. And you know in the book of Acts, they constantly, what do they say? With the things we've seen and here, what we've handled and touched. Peter writes about, we've touched and handled these things. We've seen Jesus. How many have had an encounter with Jesus that transformed your life in such a degree? If he did it for you, he wants to do it for your neighbor. He wants to do it for everybody. It is not God's heart and will that any should perish, right? So even here with, with Thomas, this unbelieving believer, <laughs> and I think we have a lot of practical atheists in our midst. I'm serious. I think we talk to most Christians, they sound more like an atheist than they do a believer. They haven't seen the miraculous, so they don't believe in it. They haven't seen any souls saved, so... Jesus must not be saving souls. Well, he saved your soul, right? And, and, and we live in this, almost this practical atheism. We're unbelieving believers. Unless I see it for myself, I won't believe it. But even Jesus wants to show up to those. Even Jesus is willing to use that person. Right? Even Jesus wants to use that individual. Amen? Turn with me to a couple chapters back, John 17. Jesus, and he says this. This is his high priestly prayer. He says in verse 16, we'll pick it up there. There's all kinds of goodness in here. Verse 16, it says, 
They, talking about disciples, are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And look at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, I love this verse, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus, even in his high priestly prayer, already knows that he's going to send them and they're going to go. Right? And because they're going to go, there's going to be people believe in Jesus through their word. Are we going to go? Are people going to believe Jesus because of our word? Are we going to be ones that carry the gospel to our generation? We're responsible for our generation. Their blood will be on our hands if we don't preach. Right? They need to hear us share the gospel. Jesus sent them in the world, and he's sending us into the world. It's a perpetual, uh, you know, uh, kingdom mandate, this gospel great commission. It wasn't just for the 12. It was for the whole church, and not, and not just the church of the first century, but the church of the 21st century. It's the same mission, the same mandate. It's our same call. We have the same apostolic mandate that they had, and we get to go with the same Holy Ghost, the same power, the same privilege, the same promise, the same all, everything that they've seen, we get to see. And some of us, and you've heard me say this, but some of us wonder why we don't see signs following. Lord, why aren't you using me in healing? Why aren't you using me in deliverance? Why aren't you using me in this? Signs follow those that believe. And as they went, Jesus confirmed the word with signs following. You have to go for the signs to show up. Couch potatoes don't operate in the miraculous. Right? Sitters, God works with goers, not sitters. Right? He comes in our midst, fills us with his spirit, breathes on us, shows us his wounds, shows us the gospel. Not so we can just be saved by the gospel, but so we can be sent for the gospel. We got to be sent for the gospel. How many in here are saved by the gospel? If you were saved by the gospel, now you are a minister of that gospel that saved you. Amen. The very gospel that saved you also anointed you to be a minister of its message. Your baptism was your ordination. Amen. Your filling of the Holy Spirit was your commissioning. And I truly believe that for the church, that we, we think we get saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit so we can gather in Christian circles and live in Christian, nice, clean Christian lives away from the world. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus was sent into the world. He went to the hurting. And here's the thing. You know, this is so true. And I, 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 real quick. How many want to see God heal the sick? How many want to see God? How many want God to use you to raise the dead? Right? You know what that means? You got to be around sick people and dead people. <laughs> oh, God, use me to raise the dead. You got to be around someone dead to raise the dead. Right? God, use me in the miraculous. You got to be around the crippled and the blind and the lame. Right? You got to be where they are. You got to be where the hurting are. How many have ever prayed and asked God, use me, Lord. Send me, Lord. 
Send me. I've prayed, prayed that prayer so many years. And, and, and one time the Lord just looked at me, you prayed to send. You know, I, I sent you. You didn't go. <laughs> right? Sometimes we're, we're looking for the big thing in front of us, right, to open up. When it's just sharing the gospel at the gas station. It's, it's taking that step of faith. Saying, you know what? I, I'm saved by the gospel. It saved me. It'll save them. My wife always says this, it's 20 seconds of fear. That's all it is. You got to step through the 20 seconds of fear. Once you step through that 20 seconds of fear and you open your mouth, God always shows up. And I'm seeing Jesus heal people out in the streets of Lima every week. Right? You know why? Because we're preaching the gospel. And we're laying hands on them, being bold enough to say, I believe that if I pray for you, you're going to be healed. Amen? Amen. And because of that, they're being healed. Amen. And they're responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. God wants to send us, church. He wants to use us. There's, you know, there's no place for boredom in the Christian life. Amen. There's no reason we should be bored ever as Christians. Right? I don't think Jesus was bored. He didn't have time to be bored three and a half years of his ministry. Right? John the Baptist, he was never bored in six months of his ministry, right? And, and the apostles, they had no more time for boredom. Matter of fact, if they were bored, they were in sin. <laughs> Just think about it. They were disobedient if they were bored. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. No place for boredom in the Christian life. And yet, we wonder, what is our purpose? What is our destiny? What is our calling? The same calling they had is the same calling we had. It may lead us in various different contexts. It does in all kinds of different ways. Doctors, lawyers, right? right? Um, you know, plumbers and electricians. No matter where you're at, no matter, a nurse, you know, whatever you're doing, you're still, you are sent there as a missionary to save souls. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We got to stop thinking of the mission field as in another continent and start thinking of the mission field as everywhere our feet take us. Everywhere your feet take us. Now, that's a, that's a problem, by the way, if we only go to church. <laughs> right? It's a, I love church. I'm not, not saying don't go to church. What I'm saying is it's a problem if all we go to is our Christian friend's house. We go to our Christian concerts, go to our Christian bookstore, go to our Christian world, live in our Christian bubble. That's not living sent. To live sent means you've got to go where the hurting are. Let me say this too. The greatest soul winners are those who are intentional. Because I believe in lifestyle Christianity, but here's what happens for most of us. I'm, a, I'm only led. I'm led by the Holy Spirit to win souls. I hear that from people all the time. I'm just going to be led. Well, that's fine. I hope, I hope you are. Ask that person, when was the last time you led someone to the Lord? Like, when was the last time you were led to, <laughs> by the Spirit? When was the last time someone got saved? Most likely they can't answer, right? Now there are the exceptions, the Spirit is leading, but most likely they can't answer. The greatest soul winners are those who are intentional about winning souls. And sometimes, now we should be always prepared and looking for opportunities to share the gospel. But sometimes you gotta set apart, you gotta mark out a piece of time and be intentional. And say, Lord, that's what we're doing here on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights in St. Mary's. And as we're building up more slots to go out. But we're intentional for those two hours. You know what? God has honored it. Imagine had we not done that, there wouldn't be 100 salvations right now in Lima. Right? right? 
if we were just saying, Lord, lead us. We're just going to go and be led. Right? Now, when we go out, we're led. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit leads us. But we're carving out time. And for some of us, you know, two hours a week. You know what? You just add that two-hour block in your week of soul winning. It'll give you the greatest joy you've ever received. Some of it's you haven't, you haven't spent a disciplined amount of time just to win souls in a long. How many do it on a regular basis? Very few hands, right? So there you go. <clears throat> How many's winning souls every week? Very few hands, so there you go, right? And I'm not, this isn't condemning because this is how we are. We're not always ready to win souls. How many want to win souls every week? Right? And it's not, listen, I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that gift. You are a Christian, right? You have the gift of the good news. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Evangelists, what do they do? They're part of the fivefold to do what? To equip the church to do the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? To go out and win souls, make disciples, and evangelize the world. Right? And, and so that, for us, that's what evangelists do. So we, I'm not an evangelist, oh, but, but evangelist is equipping you. Right? So we, for all of us, we want to win souls. We want to be passionate soul winners. I do, you do. But something's blocking us. What is it? Right? Time. Schedule. Fear, number one. They were living in fear. So they lived behind closed doors. How many is afraid to witness? Just honestly. Like, it's scary. You can be honest. I'm scared every week. I'm just, <laughs> right? It is scary to share the gospel. But soul winners that are wise and intentional, they will carve out a certain amount of time. Let me ask you here, another show of hands. How many set aside time to do daily devotions? Almost every hand. Yeah. Now, if you didn't set apart that time, how would your devotional life look like? Right? Set a date with God to show up and God shows up. <laughs> right? So we need devotional time. We need time in the Word. We need time in prayer. And you have, to, you have to carve that time out and sanctify it. You have to make that time. Right? We all do. We have to do that. It's the same way because we can't just have Bible study and prayer and let the river stop in us. Amen. We've got to have an outlet for everything we're receiving. So if you schedule two hours for devotions or 45 minutes, I say two hours. Jen's four hours every morning. I always tell her, you, sometimes you got to speed it up a little bit. No, we're trying to get dressed out of the house. <laughs> but, uh, but, but uh, <laughs> she's back there laughing. But, um, you know, but you set apart that time to do devotion. Some of it's f 15 minutes or whatever that is, right? You must also think about this. Add another time to where you're going to share the gospel. Just be intentional to go out and just tell somebody the good news. Last week I said this. I said there's three things that we should think about. We must hear their story, right? Hear their story. Find out where they're at, what they're coming from. Listen to their story. Tell them your story, right? Your testimony. What God is the. There's always a way to weave in your story. You listen to it, it's like, yeah, we know, that's awesome. You know what God did for me? Let me, can I tell you what God did for me, right? Somehow you can weave in your story of your testimony, but don't leave it on your story because your story doesn't save. <laughs> Tie your story into the Jesus story, yeah. right? And, and start sharing the story of Jesus to them. So hear their story. Take time to listen to their story and then share your story and then give the Jesus story. That's just as simple as that. 
here, you got to listen though, because sometimes we want to just run up to people, and when, when sometimes you got a window, a short window, that's how it is, you know. Especially when we're out street witnessing, we are just we're hitting people. But I always tell our team, listen, look for the person of peace. It's not about knocking on ninety doors; it's about getting someone saved. And if we only if if we only stay at one door tonight, then that's fine. Like you know what I mean? Like because if they're open to the gospel, we're going to take the time to share the gospel. And if it takes the whole two hours that we're there doing it, then that's what we're going to do, because we're looking for the person of peace, not numbers. Right? And so so that that's very important too. And that's when you're intentionally going out door to door, or if you're in the streets, you're kind of bumping into people, and they don't want to give you two hours, right? But but the point is, is you got to be able to listen to their story, find out where they're coming from, share your story, and and, and right there, bring in the gospel of Jesus, tell the gospel story, Amen. Share the gospel with people, and and um, that's so important. If we don't set apart time. To save souls, souls aren't going to be saved. One time, me and Jen were, um, it was back in St. Pete, we're like, we're going to go out winning souls. We were bored, and we knew that being bored is not right as a Christian. So we're, <laughs> we're like, we're bored to death, and we have no joy. We're very miserable right now. We want joy. Well, how do you get joy? Save souls, right? Uh, when you go out sharing, the disciples return with great joy, and we wanted some joy in our life. So let's go out and win souls. And it was dark. It was already late. We're in the city, and we prayed, and we get in the car, we stop at the light. Lord, where do you want us to go? And I instantly hear in my head, Salvation Army on 66th Street. It's like nine o'clock at night and I know it's closed. So, okay, well, let's just shoot up there. We're gonna shoot up there. So we drive, it's a few minutes down the road, get up in there, they're closed and it's a big parking lot and there's not a soul out there. <laughs> well, we missed it. So we drive in the parking lot and we make the U-turn and as we're coming around, a guy comes walking out with a backpack inside from the Salvation Army, stands in the middle of the parking lot, middle of the night, all of a sudden, <laughs> there's our guy, <laughs> right? We're like, we're just like leaping. Yes, Lord. Awesome. This is awesome. So of course we pull up to him and now he's probably freaking out. We pull the car out, get out of the car. We like, we're on a mission, you know, <laughs> God sent us to you. So we did. It was so awesome because we got up, we walked to him and said, listen, I know this is crazy. I said, but Jesus sent us here. <laughs> he told us to come to this parking lot because someone here needs Jesus. And we began to pray and minister to him and he prayed with us. And it was so awesome. It was just an awesome encounter of the Holy Spirit, and God touched him. And we were, while we were done praying, we opened our eyes, and we were holding hands, and there was two other guys that were with him around him, too, praying with us. <laughs> and uh, so that was so awesome. But you know what? It just takes that. Get, let's get up. Let's get in our car. Let's go for one reason, and that is to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And God will show up. He'll meet that need. Amen. He wants to use you. He wants to do great exploits with you. He wants to see you uh, step out of your comfort zone and lay hands on the sick. And you know what? You want to raise the dead? Every time you win someone to, to the Lord, you're raising the dead. You're raising the dead. Every time you're raising the dead. Hallelujah. There was one day we went out to, uh, I don't know if I told this last week, but we were, we were downtown St. Pete and we were going out with Pokemon Go, that game. Everyone was there and they were playing it everywhere. How many remember that when that little craze was going on? And uh, so everyone's got their phone and there's just thousands of people everywhere. And we go down there and I had this like spirit of intimidation come over me. Like I I'm, want to be intentional, want to share the gospel. And I, f I have fear in front of everybody. 
Like, I just could not bring myself to say anything. So we're just walking through. And, you know, of course, they're not looking at us. They're on their cell phone. You know, they're, they're finding their little, their little games. And there's thousands of people. Finally, I get over. I said, Jen, I can't do it. I sit down. I was like, I don't know what this is. Usually, I'm not this, this fearful, you know, but I'm just going to do it. I said, see that group of teenagers on the other side of the park? I'm going to just go preach the gospel, that whole group of teenagers. She's like, okay. Like, she's like, okay, if you want, you can't share with one person, but you're going to go share with that old group. Old group. And uh, so let's just head over there. And uh, as I'm going over there, there's a lady on a bench with a red shirt. And the Lord says, I have a word for her. So I'm like, okay, I'll just, going over there, there's a lady. She's way on the other side of this park. And we come up to her and the Lord had a prophetic word for me to give to her. So I asked her if I could, you know, if uh, I, I don't even remember what we said or what the word was. The point was, as I began sharing the word with her, tears just start streaming down her face and she starts opening up and um so we start sharing the gospel with her and uh she stands up she's holding hands with me and jen jen's sharing with her we're praying with her and we look around and every single one of those teenagers are gathered around us and uh, she was a school teacher and that was her class (laughs) so the point was i still got to preach the gospel to the whole group of teenagers and uh, and we ended up praying for her and just ministering and blessing her it was so awesome and but you know what it was intentionality church being intentional to go out we didn't want to it's so much easier to sit on the couch and watch tv especially after you worked all day isn't it but sometimes you know what just you can two hours an hour just be intentional let's get up partner up and let's go share the gospel and god will meet us as jesus as, as jesus said as the father has sent me so i send you obm let's be sent that word is resounding to every one of us. There is a Jesus that is so loving and so powerful and so delivering, and he wants, to be, uh, he wants to be seen, he wants to be lifted up, and he wants to draw all men unto him, and he wants to use you to do it. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up with me, everyone in here. Let's just, let's just pray this. Lift your hands up. Jesus, say this with me. Jesus, breathe on us tonight. Breathe on me. And may we receive the Holy Spirit. I can't witness without your Spirit. I receive the promised, hallelujah, power of your spirit. Make me a witness. Give me boldness. And give me the time to go. I, I dedicate a time to go share the gospel. Give me wisdom and how to do it. And I will commit to it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Phyllis witnessed to a lady in a, in a mall last year. And uh, Phyllis just told her about Jesus. She got saved. Well, Phyllis goes back a year later. And uh, last this year, and uh, the lady says, you know, about two months after I got saved, my husband divorced me. 
She said, but you told me about tithing. And when I tithed, God prepared me financially to go through that. And God has provided me ever since. So Phyllis led her to the Lord and told her about tithing. What else would you tell a Christian? Hallelujah. And so that girl was still saved and was at that store. And uh, she came up and told Phyllis that story. Listen, you never know what or who you're going to lead to Christ. So let's get busy. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. And I'll tell you what, God is going to use us. Amen. We've already prayed, so we know he's going to. So tomorrow, when somebody comes along, don't be afraid. Remember, step through that 22nd window and say something. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Bring us to places of divine encounterment tomorrow. Use our voice. Use our lives. Use our hands, God. May people see Christ in us. May they experience his healing touch. May they hear about the gospel. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. God bless you.